Hey everyone, welcome back to the Modern Music Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Southworth, and this is an example of a piece of content that was uploaded to my YouTube channel prior to me starting this podcast that I thought would be perfect to put in this podcast format. It's this, this awesome, I don't know, 40 or so, 35-minute chat I had with Circa from Interpreneur, and he also has a podcast on, well, whatever platform you're listening to this on, called Creative Juice by Interpreneur. So, uh, you know, I highly recommend you check out Interpreneur and Creative Juice podcast and the Full Stack Creative YouTube channel as well. Um, but Circa dropped a lot of awesome gems in this thing. But if, if you hear any references to, you know, this video or like click the link in the top corner or whatever, <laughs> that's just because it was a YouTube channel video before and I'm just copying it over here for convenience. So enjoy. See you later. Rock and roll, man. I thought a great place to start would just be for you to introduce yourself to everyone on my channel. Yeah, uh, my name is uh, Kyle. Everyone calls me Circa, but I try to give people the option to use either one. And I run a company called Indopreneur, which helps independent musicians market themselves more effectively, learn the principles of digital marketing and like, you know, 2000s entrepreneurship, modern entrepreneurship. Because I think, you know, I'm an independent musician, lifelong and one of my like lifelong worthy goals would be to help other independent musicians sort of get a hold on all that stuff. Awesome, yeah, and, and just to add stuff for um, from my perspective, from my channel, uh, the Entrepreneur program is awesome. Like it's got a whole bunch of courses that it, like anyone on this channel could definitely benefit from. Hell yeah. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, so one thing that, that really stood out um, in our last call was that you told me about how important it was to construct a story around every single one of your releases and then how you use that in your, your marketing and like all the follow-up kind of social media stuff around that. So could you dive into that process, how you start that, think about it, and then how you actually uh, implement that? For sure, yeah. I, I think that, you know, throughout the history of recorded music and bands as brands, um, and you know, and you can, you can trace it back from the 50s through the 60s and 70s and 80s and all the way up to today is people have made guesses as to what, what story will captivate you know, an audience, uh, what, what value people derive from their music. And I think that labels have been instrumental and, and branding companies and marketers have been instrumental in kind of painting that narrative of like what is the band supposed to mean to its fans or the artist supposed to mean to the to the world and you know we're a lot of that has been you know sort of offboarded onto our responsibility these days it's our responsibility to figure out what is the value of our music what is the value of the content and entertainment that we're providing and who is drawn to it because not everybody's gonna you know, look at The Misfits, for instance, which is one of my favorite bands, and be like, this fits into my narrative of who I am as a person, and here's how. Um, so, you know, it behooves me and everyone else, I think, to go out there and not predetermine, not predecide, not prepackage what that value is to the average fan, and just go out there and discover it. So a big part of my first year coming back into my music career, because I was a live musician strictly up until pretty much last year when I finally had recorded music in my new style to release. And instead of like going out there and releasing a single and trying to sell stuff and you know doing a big album release, I've spent the past year and probably will spend the next nine months releasing uh, content as much as I can 
but in a single format and then dedicating, you know, exploratory budgets to marketing that music. And really what I'm trying to figure out is who, number one, who likes my music? Like what is the common type of person or common types of people or avatars of people that enjoy my music? And then more importantly, why? Because, you know, I, I write, I'm sure most musicians out there, are, you're writing interpretively, you're writing sort of without such a, a hard definition on what the song's supposed to mean to everybody. And you get to go out there and figure that out. So what I've done is I've promoted new singles um, and let people interpret it for themselves. I've tested many different, you know, headlines that kind of indicate what the song might be about. And the ones that perform best show me, okay, this is what people get from this song. And then furthermore, in the comments, when they talk about what it means to them and, and the personal messages I'm getting, I learn, okay, well, for instance, my song Sacrifice, you know, it could be about a million different things. It could be about creative, you know, endeavor. But what people took from it is that uh, it's about addiction and recovery and sort of uh, beauty and imperfection. And like, that's one interpretation of the song of millions. So it took really me spending my own money, going out there, talking to people, running ads to figure out, oh, I have a niche in this addiction culture. I mean, I grew up in, you know, like my parents were, you know, addicted in various forms and went through recovery. And I've had peers and family members in addiction and recovery. So that makes sense. And I can talk a lot about that, but I wouldn't know to, to sort of tell that story if it weren't for this testing, because I have a lot of stories I could tell. And so what, I, what I've kind of been harping in on is like, long before you ever try to be a successful music act, you should take the time to figure out what people like your music, why they like it, and what that story is so that you can better tell a story. Um, and all too often musicians sort of rush past that. Right, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, I, I've noticed a lot of people on uh, my not necessarily just my channel, but like reaching out to me and like DMs and stuff. And they'll they they might have a song out, but they want to rush right into getting into ads, and they want to rush right into different ways of promoting their music. But right. they have no idea who actually would be the right person to listen to the music. They don't have the whole branding and content strategy behind it. And then a lot of those cases, they they're they're wondering like. Why are my ads so expensive? How come people are clicking and they're not following? And I, I personally, I never had any good results with ads and other marketing you know, methods until I figured out or had a better understanding of who I was targeting and also had the content there so that when people actually went to wherever the hell I'm sending them, uh, that they, they can actually see that there's like, it's, it's for them. You know, it's designed for a specific right. type of person. Um, right. So like I, a follow-up for that would be the way I would imagine that you would you would set this up is you're not just running like one video with one headline you're you're probably taking advantage of the um, I forget what they call it but you can kind of do the ad split test where you put multiple headlines multiple descriptions um, and then maybe even do multiple creatives and then you just see which one is the most effective or do you actually manually make every single one of them in like a separate um, ad. Yeah, uh, there are multiple ways to do it in Facebook um, as an ad platform. I mean, in any ad platform, you could test messaging. Facebook has a lot of tools to make it very easy. My favorite way is to run, you know, uh, 
I mean, back in the day, we would run individual ad sets all targeting the same audience, but they have different ads in them. And that would show us because that we could run it per perpetually and we can really, do we examine the results at day five, at day 10, how long do we wait? That's all up to you. Facebook has a feature now called split tests where basically they'll automatically test out these different variants and then they'll tell you a winner once they've reached statistical significance. That's a little bit more hands off. You don't control when it ends or how, you know, how much budget it runs to determine a winner, but it's also a quick and dirty way to get an answer. And you know, that's not, it's not just this, oh, find out what headline works best and then run it. It's like, find out what headline works best and then engage in the comments, find out why it works best for this piece of media, what are people deriving from it, and then go and try to make content that speaks to that narrative. So for me, it's like, I need to go out there and tell my story about my experiences and struggles with addiction and recovery because that's what people got from my song. And I need to take that to its natural conclusion. I need to talk to those people and let them know, hey, this thing you saw that you felt like was you, it is you. I'm gonna sit here and reiterate how it is you by telling you my story and, and you can watch how my story links up to your story because there's so many commonalities in that sort of, you know, in that variant of story. Um, you know, people in addiction and recovery, they all share a lot of experience. And so, you know, it might seem obvious, you know, if you go and watch my video and you go listen to that song, that it would end up here, but to me it wasn't. I, I had no idea. People could have thought, um, this is about, you know, uh, like letting your peacock feathers spread. Because that's really what the song is. The song says, um, my flame is immaculate, burning bright. And so it's like, well, it could be about creative inspiration. It could be about, you know, letting yourself bloom uh, creatively but they chose to, to see this sort of struggle with being an imperfect human in it. And so, yeah, like running those tests, it's cool and all to run a test to see which headline works best and get a cheaper result on finding these new listeners. But what's better even is to spend that time to figure out why these new listeners like that narrative and then create content around that narrative and start to develop that familiarity and understanding with your audience's story. Right, that's incredibly clever. <laughs> um, I, I have a, like a somewhat related story that I'll, I'll tell my audience that I've never told anyone, but I, I had a campaign that I ran for my song Triggered last year, um, which is a song about you know how everyone is very triggered on the internet about every social issue. And the message yeah. that, that I had in the song was that these, these issues are like super important and we need to take them seriously, but there's a lot of people that are so triggered and their response is so like violent and aggressive that it's kind of, it makes people treat this, the issues less seriously because like there's all this like hatred online and people aren't just discussing the, the actual problem. So I ran ads to a pretty vague group of people. I targeted people who the, the music I thought was similar and I got so many comments that were like, what is this Republican EDM or something? Because they, they interpreted the song as like me saying that everyone that sees this, that, you know, the, the, they thought the message was that I was disagreeing with all those issues. And so that it was like Republican EDM. And I'm like in the comments, like, 
I don't think you're getting the message right. And I eventually just gave up, shut off the ad because like so many people were just fighting on that point. And to me, what probably would have been the best approach would have been to either embrace that and target <laughs> Republicans who are into EDM um, or perhaps like change the ad and, and make it more obvious what my message was. Yeah. Yeah, you, I, 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 it I, is. It's it's two pronged. You can use these tactics to determine what your best foot forward is in terms of story, and if it's a story that you feel like you can tell, great, go with it. But if it's not, you can also use these methods to understand. Hey, this piece of media or this piece of marketing communication, it's not going where I want it to go. I need to refactor it. I need to figure out why it's telling this sort of undesirable story. Um, so, you know, you can use it in different ways. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the beauty of, of music is that there's very rarely, at least in my music, one clear message. And I, I think most artists are the same where you don't necessarily tell one story with a song. You, there's often, you know, unlimited interpretations, which I guess is kind of a blessing and a curse. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think a great example is to look at Eminem. You know, Eminem... Um, was in the rap olympics he was a battle rapper and a freestyler and he could have come out like um you know like all these different freestyle oriented coalitions and made albums upon that and but but his story ended up being uh i'm trailer park white trash i'm on drugs my mom's an asshole and like my childhood's fucked up and and i'm you know i'm a dangerous like guy for society and so, like I was 13 in on the baseball team listening to Slim Shady LP on the bench and feeling like, yeah, my life's kind of going to, to tatters right now. And this, I identify with this. This makes me feel like I can be an anti-hero. And, and I've, I've always said that music, the, the utility of music most often is helping us embody archetypes. When we're, so we're when we feel as if we're powerless, because of our circumstance, music comes along and turns that circumstance into like an enviable, cool character. And so, you know, I can throw on toxicity and walk into my middle school and feel okay for a second and feel like I'm a dangerous guy. And like, you know, maybe, maybe my life's messed up, but like, don't mess with me. And so like that, be, helping people embody those archetypes takes learning about what, your, what the story is and for Eminem, that captivated America. There were so many 13-year-old pudgy white kids like myself who, you know, who were like, yeah, man, my life's kind of going off the rails right now, and this music makes it like that's a cool thing. Like, I'm cool for that. And so, you know, when we hear a, a great song, automatically the song takes, it elevates the status of the story within the song. Automatically, if the song is good and the musician's good and they're talented, it takes any story and it makes it something that's cool or, or an enviable character, an attractive character. And so finding your story is the only way you'll be able to do that for people, is to figure out what is the, the, the narrative that they're living and that they see in my music. Let me make that, let me make it okay to be them. Like that's what you should be looking for. Right, right. So when, in, in your case, you know, you and I aren't like, um, we're not huge, huge famous musicians like, like Eminem and you know, all, all the big <laughs> top stars. So for, for people like us, 
you know, the indie indie musicians who are trying to build an audience. Um, what's your usual goal in terms of where, where you're often sending people? I mean, you, you took a break from releasing music and now you're getting back into it. Are you initially focusing on just kind of getting all those all those targets in place so you can kind of just continually develop the, the fan base on social media? Or are you trying to send yeah. people to an email list? Are you trying to send them to Spotify? I'm not, yeah, I'm not doing any of that right now. Um, and mainly because I, if you look at it as a spectrum, when you're beginning uh, your, your career, especially when it comes to marketing yourself effectively, your ability to to reach back out to the audience at a later time is at the lowest it will ever be. You have the lowest amount of resources to maintain these audiences. You have the lowest amount of content to send them that you'll ever have. You'll have the lowest amount of offers for them to sign up for or buy that you'll ever have. So your ability to maintain an audience you gain is at its absolute lowest. The only lower is before you started marketing. And so I think you can fight that and you can really spend a lot of energy to make sure you're not, you know, that you can reach back out to the audience at any time. And, you know, like that might be, okay, I'm going to make sure that everyone who watches my videos, it doesn't, doesn't go a year without watching another video. So I can always retarget them in Facebook because the limit there is a year for retargeting video viewers on an ad. Or you can say, I'm going to try to send everybody to Spotify and get them to follow so at least they see new releases. Or you can say, I'm going to get them to an email list so I don't have to pay to follow up with them and I always can. But your ability to do that is at this time at its lowest. And so... Just like I would advise someone financially, hey, if you're broke, your ability to save money is at its lowest. So focusing on saving money is not going to help you. Focus on making more money and, and then your ability to save money will grow. But if you focus on saving and scrounging and cutting expenses when you're already at the bottom of the barrel, you're kind of screwed. So. And this goes, this flies in the face of a lot of, you know, the intention of some of our trainings. So it's a bit contradictory, but I want to explain why it's not, is that I'm really trying to find the people who I don't need to make sure I follow up with. I'm trying to find those initial really, really diehard fans where I speak to their story and they go follow me on Instagram and they go follow me on Spotify and they message me because I'm going to get the most data from them that I don't have to, you know, uh, expend energy or cost to get them to follow up. They're going to follow up naturally, and I can learn them. I can learn the most from them. Is really the main point, and so that's why I'm focusing on them right now. Is because I need to learn before I can collect. So, yeah, my goal right now is to have as many one-to-one -one conversations as I possibly can. It's not scalable. It's not trackable. It's not. You know, there's not a lot of intent behind it, but I know if I run story-driven, narrative-driven, uh, shareable posts, I run content to these audiences, I'm gonna get tons of those what we call automatic buddies, people who just love everything you're doing, they go right for it. And my goal right now, it, I could spend more time and attention trying to keep everybody. I'd rather spend that time and attention right now talking directly to those people. And so I think probably in, you know, three to six months, it's going to shift from let's give them content and let's get them to Spotify to let's give them content and let's get them to sign up for something. That's true. It will. But not until I know what can I present that they're even going to sign up for. Right. Yeah. Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, it's, I guess it's kind of the, 
you're relying on the spillover effect, or as you call it, and I think it's in the the buddy system course you guys have the um, the low hanging yeah. fruit buddies, yeah. as you call them. And uh, for anyone watching, if you don't know what a, a buddy is, I think is the buddy system of your one of your free courses. It, it comes with any of our trainings, and I believe there are several places on our website you can sign up for it for free. So it literally any training, like uh, the second someone gives us dollar one, they have the buddy system for life. Well, so so anyways, the whole idea uh, behind the the buddy system for for my audience is that you're you're trying to turn people that don't know you into warmer and warmer leads, so that you kind of develop a relationship with them and. There's this kind of a two-way street. You're giving them content, they're digging it, and it deepens the relationship uh, between them. So there's an idea of low-hanging fruit where some people are just going to kind of engage, and it's more expensive yeah. to get some people because they're they're kind of on the fence or they're not as willing to jump into stuff. So that that makes a lot of sense. And on a lot of my ads, I, I focus a ton on sending traffic to Spotify, at least I have recently. And I've noticed a pretty big spillover effect where if I'm sending traffic to Spotify, it also means that a certain percentage of people are sending me DMs, they're going to my music yeah. video on YouTube, they're following me on Instagram, and it's kind of surprising that you can pretty much grow an Instagram account just on running ads to Spotify because oh, for sure. so many people yeah. are, are those low-hanging fruit or the, the easy to attract buddies. Like they see your ad, they click it, they like the song, they DM you, they look up the music video, and I'm not even like promoting the video. It just gets people going there and saying like, I saw your ad and I loved it. Just come in here to say hi. And it's like, whoa, that's awesome. Like that's the best case scenario. Like this, this yeah. kind of super deep engagement. Um, For sure. So yeah, it, it works. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I'm not here to say like, to, to give you guys a full breakdown, like, because I'm saying a lot of, like, stuff that's more conceptual and, and less hard data. So just to give you the hard data, like, I started off with five headlines for my song Sacrifice and a live performance music video. Not a music video, just a live performance with my buddy who produced it. And so we narrowed it down to one headline that centered around... I mean, it didn't wasn't intentional to center around addiction. The reason I wrote this song was that I chew ice a lot and dentists say that it's going to ruin my teeth and so sometimes when I get a good chord progression going or some feeling of a song I'll start with just imagery and so the first imagery that I chose for the song was jagged rocks hardened dust um, frozen my cheek like all this imagery from chewing ice and also using chalk when strength training. So that's where the song comes from. And so the headline was, I wrote this song about how chew, I wanted to write a song about how chewing ice has ruined my teeth, but, and people thought ice meant crystal meth. Oh. And so a lot of, yeah, it's interesting. So I, I narrowed down to that. And then I ran that, I probably ran $1,000 of traffic just on that video, just to get the data. This was across like three or four months. So about $250 a month on this ad. And then the song wasn't out yet. It wasn't on Spotify, but people were clamoring for it. In that time, I also released another single and then I started running back behind the scenes content to the same audience that was getting turned on to that music. And then when the song was ready on Spotify, well, first of all, I put out another single on Spotify, tried to run them to that and, and validated a theory that, look, if people come in on this one song, they want that song. 
and they want that story. So that other song I released didn't do too well. Then finally this song came out on Spotify and I turned that video into that video ad into an ad direct to Spotify and ran that and and so okay. I also tested out audiences based on other artists to figure out which artist audiences like my stuff best. Common practice, you know, it was newer three years ago when I first started teaching it. It's not so new now, kind of everyone knows how to do that. And I narrowed down to, to two or three bands that, that whose fan bases really like my stuff. Then when I released on Spotify, I submitted the song for editorial inclusion and I used Spotify's API, their, their backend data, which you can go to, uh, uh, you can go to de uh, developers.spotify.com, click console, and you can search their database all you want. So I searched the artists that were, their audience was responding to my ad, and I found their genres in Spotify, and then I used that to submit my song. So that way Spotify has a really keen idea of who's gonna really like the song. That way when they include it on release radar, they're making accurate hits. And that's what really matters in Spotify is that their algorithm, when they recommend it, that the hit is accurate. Otherwise, they have to go back to the drawing board. So you really want them to be recommending it to people who are going to respond positively on the first go. Otherwise, it's gonna take a long time for that algorithm to pick up for you. So that when I release it on Spotify, it went, it went really, really well. Like right now it's got my, my nearest single to it, which was the single before, has like 8,000 plays. This one has over 30,000. So it's a big difference. And, and so there's a lot of strategy in that that doesn't have to do with finding out the story necessarily. It's not as if I'm just wasting money and trying to talk to people. I'm also implementing some strategy behind it. But that is the main goal. The main goal is not to blow up my Spotify. And so to speak to what you were saying, it's like you can run ads to Spotify and if you really focus on that and you make it your thing and you don't quit for a year, no matter what, at the end of a year, you'll be like, oh shit, this is working. Like, I get, like if your music is good, that's going to happen. It might cost more money than it brings in. You know, there's, there's all these other caveats to it, but for certain that will be true. Um, so you can do that, and I know a lot of people who do it. You don't necessarily need to find your story first. The reason that I wanna do that is because I need people off of Spotify. I don't just want them on Spotify. I want them to sign up for my email list. I want them to stay with me for life. And to do that, I really need to tell them a narrative that speaks to their life experience. Wow, you're, uh, you're making me rethink all of my marketing in this short phone call. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I, I, like a lot of my um, my ads revolve, like I have a music video pretty much every song to some degree, and um, I'll just, like I'll run ads in that, and I'll try to like spin in a certain way, but I, I feel like um, I feel like my next song I'm going to be focusing on this, this story thing to, to, because to it sounds like it, it works incredibly well, and the theory makes a lot of sense, where, you know, you're, you're trying to develop a pool of people that are, their their relationship goes deeper than just a, a click, you know. It's 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 a lot more yeah. than hearing fifteen seconds of a story ad, being like, oh, that's cool, going to Spotify and listening to it. Even if they follow you, it's it's a very surface level. Um, I mean, one of the dangers is, and like I like I'm not just theorizing here. This is what I do: is I will find an artist on my Discover Weekly, I'll add them, and and ninety percent of the time, that's it. I found an artist that I like, a song that I like, 
and I added that song to my playlist. And now that song comes up once a month and I listen to it. And that is it. One level higher than that is that, hold on one second, my cat's freaking out. Stranger! <laughs> Stranger! Shut up! <laughs> I'm I'm totally um, I'm totally including that in the video. <laughs> <laughs> she sometimes when 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 her mom is gone, she'll be downstairs and she'll start doing this weird meow she's never done before. It's like, Whoa. and I'm just like, you need to stop. Right. Okay. Cool. Rock. So yeah, I I totally totally agree with um, what you're saying about how like you see someone discover weekly, you might listen to the song, add it to a playlist, save it to your library, but that's probably yeah. it and like one of my bands uh last year we came out with an album in september and we spent a good amount of money on on facebook ads and that did result in like two hundred and eighty thousand streams in like six months because it got right. it performed well it got put on discover weekly and release radar and stuff and um it did get added to like a couple <clears throat> thousand playlists from users but the problem is like it didn't give us thousands of followers it gave us like 600 followers right, so and then those people didn't necessarily follow us on social media they just they kind of clicked and and some people did reach out and they were like really love what you're doing people shared it on the social media but um we didn't i don't think we developed the narrative to the point where you know now when we release a new song it won't be as effective as if we kind of deepen that relationship up front for sure yeah and like and like you know, that's that's going to be a broad majority of the cases is that people add it and, and Spotify allows us to do that. Like we weren't able to do that before. You had to go find out otherwise you wouldn't be able to listen to it again. Now you can just add it and never find out anything more about this artist. Um, it's a new thing. It's a very new thing to say, oh, I listen to that band, but I've never seen anything else from them besides this song on Spotify. That's not common at all. So it's a new challenge that artists have to deal with. And, and you know, that's the worst case. Oh, I, I just hit the maximum recording. I didn't know this thing had a recording. Yeah, a, a broad majority of use case is gonna be someone finds it, they add it to their playlist, that's it. 9% will go and they'll look at your artist's profile on Spotify, add more songs. It's only like one or 2% who are gonna say, I like this so much, I'm gonna go research that artist. I found an artist um, called, uh, uh, what is it? Um, they have a song called The Distance and I found them on my Discover Weekly and um, it's like Cody, something Cody. I forget, let me actually, let me just give them a shout out since they goddamn deserve it. Um, but yeah, they, I found them and then I went to their Instagram, Iron Eyes Cody. Go listen to Iron Eyes Cody The Distance. I went to their Instagram, 600 followers. I sent them a message. I said, I love this song. No response. Uh, to this day, that was like a year ago, no response from them. And they, they seem to have largely not done anything else. So these people were incredibly successful at their goal on Spotify. They found a person who loves one song so much that I went to the internet, I spent my time, I found out who and where they are, and I messaged them, and they didn't respond. And it's just like, it's like, that's why you have only 600 followers on Instagram because you're not paying attention to the big picture. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's really important to escape. You need that escape velocity from that gravitational pull of the easiness 
of just adding you on my Spotify playlist and then never worrying about you again. We can put artists in this neat little box and not have to explore, and that's a danger for artists. Right, yeah, because then it just boils down to listening on playlists, and then you're no better than those uh, study beats musicians on Spotify that are making so much money. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that is a huge missed opportunity on their end to, uh, like, you, you were interested. You, you found them, you messaged them, and then they didn't even bother replying, and their audience isn't big enough where that's, like, justified. Like, if I message Marshmallow, I'm not really expecting a reply. Yeah, but if, exactly. if it's a small artist, like you, you kind of expect it. And with my the band that I mentioned with the album last year, we had someone like our album so much that she made an Instagram series of Instagram story videos, saying that she loved what she heard so much that she signed up for a premium Spotify account just so she could listen to our album, and wow. she shared this to all of her fans. So I contacted the band and I was like. Guys, I'm going to message her and tell her that we're sending her a free CD, a free shirt, and a free hat. And they're like, why would we do that? And I was like, because that's the kind of person you want <laughs> behind your music. Like, she's going to tell all of her sure. friends. And maybe it only results in a, f a few extra people. But, like, I don't know. I know if that happened to me, like a smaller band I liked, I would be floored and I would tell every person I knew about it. Yeah. And, I, you know, I interact with her on Instagram all the time and my personal account, too, now. Just because it's, you know, it's... It's not just like people love your music and that's cool. It's 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 can actually be fun and rewarding to actually engage with the people that like your music and I've you make a lot of friends doing it too. So it's uh, for sure. I wish more and, artists yeah, did it. It's it's um and what you did there like in in the terms of our framework, the buddy system, we call that uh like the the advocacy stage where basically you're you're selecting a fan who clearly has a higher, a higher degree of devotion to the music. And you're saying, I'm gonna make a dream come true experience for them to activate them as people, as someone who brings in new fans. And like, it's like you spend money on your ads, why not spend money on this person who's gonna do just the same effect as the ad? Um, and, and spread your music. So yeah, I think that was a very smart decision and creating those types of fan relationships is even rarer these days. I think, you know, in 10 years, you're gonna, we're gonna be at a place where a musician, a musician as a job, if it's just I make music and release the music, that is not, that is not a full time, that is a below the poverty line income. There's so much fragmentation. There's so many artists people could listen to. If you're just making and releasing music, you have a, a percent of a percent of a percent chance of ever making more than 30K a year. I think you have to, you have to transcend this role of I, make, I write and record tunes and then throw them out there to the world. And obviously people know that, but I don't think they, they really consider what that means. Is like you're not just a musician. You are you are a vessel for for this embodied narrative. 